right. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Strange South. If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. see any of you. This <laughs> is so weird. I know you're out there. Bartender Courtney. Thank you, Courtney. Oh, are we on? Are these on? Can are we on? Can you hear us? Are okay. we on? Awesome. Hi, guys. Hello. We, uh, I hope you enjoyed that video as much as we enjoyed making it. <laughs> Do you know what's amazing? It takes like like two hours to shoot 15 <laughs> seconds of video. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And then to put it together, I mean, it was like going back to art school. That was such an art school project. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm Patrice. I'm Marlea. And every week, um, I'm just gonna read this so that those who have never listened to the podcast can get a little clue about what we're fisting to do here. So every week we have a podcast and we swap bizarre and uniquely Southern tales and we drink and we swear a little and this show is explicit. So if you don't like that, you're at the wrong show. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thanks so much, Randy, for having us. Yes. And for thank you, Randy. The thank you, Jason. stories. Yes. And everything. You guys were awesome. Thank that you. That was awesome. And thank you guys for coming and supporting them and us. Thanks, bartender Courtney. Oh, yes. I, I don't know if, um, so I get the impression these guys may have freaked out a couple, uh, a couple well, of people. Well, we invited Claudia. So if you have listened to the podcast, you know that Claudia is our verified haunted doll. Mm hmm. Um, every time that we bring her down to the pod basement, we have things happen. So the first incident that happened, we were videoing her baby doll. And actually, I'm so we kind of comfortable with this. Yeah, <laughs> we feel like the baby doll may be the one that's haunted. And she belongs to me. She was given to me by my great aunt who collected these porcelain dolls. And just walking in her house was just a nightmare. I mean, <laughs> it, it was a nightmare. And then she wanted to gift me one. And so I've had Claudia for a while, but she's kind of like been in the box and stuff. So when we started the podcast and we started talking about haunted dolls and how dolls freaked us out, um, I brought her out and I was doing a little video of the doll spinning around. And we have this video on the website, thestrangesouth.com. And the doll, the baby doll, for whatever reason, starts to just melt off the screen like something happened with the video I didn't anything I did nothing to it so that was the first weird thing and then there is an episode where I swear to God um mm -hmm. I put Claudia because Marlea hates her oh yeah <laughs> sorry Claudia um I put Claudia next to Marlea as you do to your friends. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It was new. It was our, our Mardi Gras episode. Right? It was our Mardi Gras episode, and we had masks, and so we were opening up our masks to put it on um, so we felt festive while we were doing our podcast. 
and there was like paper trash on the baby doll. And so Morlea goes to like remove the trash off the dolls because she was just throwing around. She was like, oh, I'm sorry and stuff. We didn't think anything about it. And I was recording the whole time. So afterwards, post-production, I'm listening and it's like, I was like doing this at midnight, like trying to get the show out um, for the next day. And I'm listening and I hear Marlea apologize to the doll for having like all the things put on her. Because that's the appropriate thing to do. Right. You have it's, to it's what you do. It's what you don't piss off the haunted <laughs> dolls, right? And I swear to God, the doll goes, <sighs> like she was taking a breath. Yeah. And it was, it freaked me out. So I like isolated because, you know, audio nerd, I guess, um, you know, her track and to make sure it wasn't me breathing hard because sometimes I do mouth breathe into the mic. Um, and so I isolated. I was like over here talking about something else. She was talking. So as soon as that paper came off of her, uh, yeah, she took like a big like, <sighs> so you can go on the website and hear that too. So after that, Claudia now lives in my liquor cabinet. <laughs> I want her to be happy. Mm -hmm. So oh, that's where we lock her up. Thank you, dear. Yeah. And this other one, see, she's she has not a name yet. We didn't name her, when right? she's new. And she's new because when we decided to do this video, we got this idea and we started like scouring every thrift store in right. the Tri-City area. And everybody that you saw in this video is now a dumpster doll. Yes. Um, we had to cut them into pieces and cover them with things. We did. And, um, we, like, the, where you saw the doll doing the little thing, that was another doll's dismembered arm. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, like, Marlea so made cursed. me do that because she's like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. No. It, yeah, it came off really easily. It was kind of scary. <laughs> it was disturbing. It, it was, um, yeah, she, this was the one that she escaped all of our shenanigans, um, mostly because she's not built for it. So she wasn't flexible enough, and she's very, I love you and all, you're very rigid. My cat won't touch <laughs> it. It was really weird because I left it, I, I thought my, my daughter is a little bit nervous about porcelain dolls too, and so I left it sitting um, on, my, on my couch in my living room, and I took a picture of it, and I sent it to Patrice, and I said, Abby hasn't noticed that this is there yet. And I'm kind of just waiting for the day when she realizes it's sitting there. And then this morning, I noticed that um, the cat keeps on trying to jump up to look out the window on the back of the couch, and the cat will not touch the doll. <laughs> she, like, she avoids it. Franklin, my cat is what uh, Franklin Divine Pussy Riot is my cat, and she uh, so she's got like she's got eggs. I mean, she's like a serious. She's hardcore, but she will not. She doesn't mess with this shit. Yeah, smart yeah. cat. Smart cat. Um, seriously, when you were telling the story about the clap, I was just waiting for one of the dolls to go. <laughs> I was just like, because something's got to happen tonight. Seriously, because Listen. every single time we have taken her out, I know something has happened. And this is why I took, so we were, we were looking for all this stuff earlier today. We came in for our sound check and we're looking for our furniture. And Cheyenne took us upstairs to look at the chairs and everything so we could pick out our, our stuff. And um, they found these tiny chairs, and because I just side mentioned, oh, we're looking for something to put the dolls in. And he's like, oh, I've got just the thing for you. And he pulled these two chairs out. And I was like, that great. And he turned around and he goes, or do you want a rocking chair? And I was like, hell no. It's <laughs> 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 like, we don't give them things that they can move on their own. Mm -mm. Oh my God, have you seen those videos online where it's just like weird like interview or somebody's like doing a video and they've got like a, a doll in the rocking chair and it starts rocking? <laughs> have you seen that shit? <laughs> I don't oh want to see God. that shit. 
I'll have to send it to you now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. Okay. And so the first time that we ever, we started, we are almost at our uh, one-year anniversary. That's we like, are. December. Yes, December. Thank you. Yeah. And it, this has, like, been the most consistent I have ever been in my fucking life. With anything. With anything. <laughs> like, I, like, even taking, like, I haven't been this consistent with taking out the trash every week. But I even take I my medication this way. will like. do, like, a podcast every week. But the first time that we did a podcast, we were, like, upstairs in my living room. And um, we were just sitting there talking, shooting the shit. And my cat brings in a chipmunk. Okay. Now, my cat, I have two cats. I have black cat, and then I have Rose. And Rose is my tenacious tabby. And she brings chipmunks in like she's carrying a kitten, because they're not dead. So she'll, like, come in. She'll take, you know, she has a little chipmunk in her mouth, and she will drop it like, here you go, mama. And so, <laughs> so the first time we did this podcast, uh, she did that, and you could probably hear me cussing. And I was like, oh, my God, she brought in a fucking chipmunk. Well, because I think you had even just talked about it. Not I that just talked <laughs> about it, and then she demonstrated it for us. It was like the first, we had to cut everything. Right? So this morning, I had to teach an art class this morning, so I had, like, a really busy schedule. And I'm, like, trying to prep and get my art stuff. So, and then, you know, I still had to prep for tonight's show. And I was, like, really, like, everything was going to plan. I wasn't stressed out yet. And Rose knew it. So I'm sitting there on my computer, and all of a sudden, I see a chipmunk, like, run across the room. So she had brought a chipmunk in. Luckily, I cornered it in the bathroom, put it, uh, let me tell you, my family, we have, like, at least two chipmunks a week brought in by the cats, and they're, they're always alive. We have a chipmunk protocol. <laughs> Okay, it's I'm true. seriously. It's very we could go into like the chipmunk like removal services. We are so <laughs> pro at this. So the protocol is that once somebody yells chipmunk <laughs> or fucking chipmunk, if the kid's not around, then we know to like isolate. We close all the doors. We get the net. There is a chipmunk net that we have, and we get like a book. And then one of us grabs a broom. So we isolate, we close the doors, we open the front doors. Somebody like mans the broom in the front door. And I go in with a net because I can fucking net a chipmunk like you would not believe. Do you know, it, and, and like the, um, she's got the chipmunk tossing down. I like. can toss a live chipmunk because. <laughs> I want them to survive, but I want them to fuck away from my house. <laughs> she, you want them to survive, but you want them to remember. I want them to remember. It was not a pleasant experience, right? Yes, I've got the chipmunk slinging down. Yeah, that first day, as the first she, time I saw you do it, and she's got this blue little kid's net with this chipmunk inside. And she like one like it's like watching somebody bowl. It's like she takes one step forward. And she's got a really good stance. She like takes it back and like a flick of the wrist, and the thing just hauls out, like, all the way over the driveway. I was so impressed. Yes. I mean, it's a twice. I mean, I practice a lot. <laughs> a lot. I do. So that was my morning. And, of course, that stressed me out more than anything mm. this morning. It's like the chipmunk. But she was just giving me. She was like, hey, you're not feeding me as much food. You cut out the wet food. I don't know what that bullshit is. So here's a chipmunk. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, my God. So, also... And I was going to tell, we were sitting back there um, 
waiting to come out. And it's, it's always the worst sitting back there because it's like you're not really nervous until you're on the side of the stage. And the side of the stage is where, like, your nerves really start to build up. There's also a fucking noose back there. Yeah, I mean, there that's, is. And that's it goes, nerve-wracking it in goes itself. up, like, and it disappears into the blackness because it's really tall up there. <laughs> but uh, so I was like, oh, let me tell you what Alexa did. So I have Alexa. I love Alexa sometimes. She's a little sassy. And so, and, and it's been like the past two times, too, that, uh, you know, we've done a podcast. I put an Alexa down in the basement so that we could play music. But she's interrupted us, and we did not say Alexa. Oh, yeah. She and was, like, looking up the history of Washington State last she week. She did. She was telling us all nowhere. about Washington State out of nowhere. And we said nothing that even resembled Alexa. Um, so she wanted her two cents. So I'm going to, like, unplug her. And hopefully that'll stop. But, um, <laughs> oh my God, if it doesn't. <laughs> but, the, but this morning I was, um, I was asking her to put something on my shopping list because she's really great at doing that. And she totally ignored me. And like I said, like, Alexa. Like I, I enunciated, Alexa. And she did nothing. And so like immediately I was like, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> and she answered me. But you know what she said? She said, did I just miss you saying something? What? I swear to God she did. And I was like, yes. And then she like stopped. And then I went, Alexa, add coffee <laughs> to the shopping list. And she's like, coffee added to your shopping list. Did she give you the sassy blink? Oh, she always gives me the sassy blink. <laughs> she never like says anything, not... but the little thing just spins around and around. Oh my gosh. So that's that's all I have pre-show, post-morning. I don't have anything. What did we talk about? So last week's podcast is actually coming out tonight at midnight. Mm -hmm. And let's see. What did we? So we can't tell you anything about it. No, I was going to tell them, but I can't remember. You were going to tell them what it is? Yeah. Oh, that's against protocol. <sighs> okay. So apparently we have. I don't remember either. Protocol. Wait, it was. Um, uh, oh, you did the oh the Florence Alabama Maybrick. girl. Yeah, the Alabama girl that's associated with Jack the Ripper. Yes. Mm, it's very interesting. And, and I did. did oh, I did Murder Kroger. Murder Kroger. Murder Kroger. <laughs> you guys know Murder Kroger. Yeah. So <laughs> if you don't know Murder Kroger. Do you know Disco Kroger? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> listen to it tonight. Oh, wait till midnight. Download it and listen to it. And yes. the night with all the lights off. And you get a special preview because we never tell anybody. What we we did. never tell anybody. But you bought tickets. You're supporting drama. We love y'all. Yay! Thank you so much. Uh, I don't have anything else except if you end up enjoying tonight. I'm not going to put this on you yet because you may think this sucks at the end of tonight. And I don't know you. You're like I'm never going to live show again. But if you don't feel that way, we're going to do another one in Montgomery on October 26th, the weekend before Halloween, and it's a dress up. And there happens to be a giant Halloween party central down in Oxford Exchange now. So if you haven't thought about what you're doing for Halloween, you could always right. come and join They've us in Montgomery. Tons of costumes down there. Yeah. All right, so I guess I'm going first. You are. <sighs> okay. Oh, you know what? I brought props. Oh, oh. I am outclassed. <laughs> it's very simple. I don't know if y'all be able to see this. <laughs> All right. Very nice. So. 
This was not intentional. This just happened. I didn't know that today was the big day for Area 51, storming Area 51, rescuing the the aliens. Today was the day. So if you go online and look at the live feed from Area 51, there's apparently shit going on. Mm. And that was... (laughs) And that was just a coincidence. So when I was doing this, you know, I, we kind of like, sometimes we're like, well, we hadn't done this in a while, we hadn't done that in a while. And sometimes it's kind of like it just falls into our lap. And I don't know how this fell into my lap, but I've been saving it for a while. I've been saving oh. it for the show. Ooh. So y'all all know, maybe some of you don't, because if you're like, I wasn't born in 1986, I don't want to talk to you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a 1986 cult classic monster movie called Critters. Critters! <laughs> All right. And I actually tried to watch I've watched it once, I think, back in the day, but I tried to watch it again, and it is so fucking unwatchable. <laughs> I mean, they've got this guy on there that's like, he's a cross between Tim Curry and Lamar. Like... <laughs> Never in the store. That guy with the hair and stuff. I mean, just like total cross between. And he sings. And he's got like the mom jeans on and kind of oh rocking my God. it. You know? Oh, my gosh. This yes. is making it me want to watch it so It bad. is so 80s. We can watch like that part of it. And then it just gets like really sad. <laughs> it's, just so, it's just our timing. Our sense of timing nowadays. Like when we watch those old movies, we're just like, hurry the fuck up. Get to the point, right? <laughs> so anyway, it begins in outer space. <laughs> and as you didn't know, and these goblin-like critters break out of this asteroid prison. It's really stellar. Um, <laughs> they hijack a spaceship and the, uh, they like fly it and crash it into Grover's Bend, Kansas. And uh, what they do is they besiege this farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere. Oh my God! I know what you're doing. Shush. <laughs> And they frighten, so the frightened family that they besiege, and these are like furry little dots of, of teeth, basically, is what they yeah, look they're like. Yeah, like, they're like Ewoks with like lots like, of teeth. Lots and, of teeth. And don't they, they have like naked bellies? I can't remember. I, I didn't get that far. I don't know. Okay. So the family, <laughs> the family holds them off with shotguns. And did you know, and I'm sure some of you do, um, that Critters is actually based on a real-life encounter you laugh, laugh now. <laughs> All right. So what I'm going to tell you about tonight is the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter, which I didn't know about. Do you know this? The Kentucky Goblins. Yes. Yes. So this is one of the most significant, well-documented cases in the history of UFO incidences. So let's set the stage. It's 1955. It's the fall. It's about this time of year, maybe a little bit earlier. Might be cooler. Might be a little bit cooler, especially up in Kentucky, maybe. And uh, there's a farmhouse that's eight miles north of Hopkinsville, and it's kind of near Kelly. That's why they call it Kelly Hopkinsville, because it's kind of in between, because it's the middle of fucking nowhere, basically. (laughs) And so Jenny Lankford, who is mom in this story, is fixing dinner for her family. So let me tell you about the family that were, were involved here. So... Her son, Elmer Lucky Sutton, is in his 20s, and he has his wife, Vera, there at the farmhouse. And Lucky is a, um, he travels with the carnivals, so he's like a carnival helping hand. 
kind of deal. Oh, okay. So he's like a he's a he's a, not like a a performer. No, he's not a performer. He's probably one of the guys that you give like your a, money to to pop the balloons. A, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 So Lucky has three younger half siblings there in the house, and also joining them it's a guy named Billy Ray and June Taylor. So friends of theirs. They were there for the weekend. And Lucky's brother, J.C., and the sister-in-law, Eileen. And then there was the family, family friend, O.P. O.P. So all, all in all, there's 11 people in this farmhouse having dinner that Mama uh, Glennie is preparing. All right? So they have dinner. They're full. It's nighttime. They're going to go and play cards in the living room. And Billy uh, goes out. And Billy is like the, the friend, the family friend, right? Uh, goes out to get some water out of the well. And while he's walking out there, he sees this round metal object streak across the farm, um, and it has like this rainbow-colored streaks behind it, and it lands in the gully behind the well. So he's like... I'm like picturing like Lisa Frank UFOs. (laughs) 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 And unicorns. Okay. And so, you know, he's kind of like, he couldn't really believe what he was seeing, so he runs back, and everybody else is just chilling, playing cards and stuff. And he's like, y'all, I just saw something amazing. He's like, something crashed behind the well. And they're like, oh, my God, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> because Billy and Lucky have been known to pull pranks on one another. So they're thinking, oh, they're just pulling another prank. But Billy Ray was, like, seriously bothered by this. This, like, got him upset. And he kept insisting that maybe it was a meteorite, maybe it was a shooting star or something. And he, nobody would believe him. And so he asked his wife, June, he's like, he's like, come on, baby, you believe me. And she's like, oh, sure. And then everybody laughed at him, right? And they thought he was crazy. Um, but he was unwilling to let it go. So he got lucky to go out and walk to where he saw it. And, um, and you know, Lucky was like, okay, he's like, he's probably pulling one over on me. He's going to, like, jump scare me or something like that. But he realized that his friend was, like, genuinely scared. This, like, really freaked him out. So they went back there, and they saw some kind of glowing thing, um, like, in the woods behind the house. And they couldn't figure out what it was. And as they got closer, they realized that it was a short, human-like creature. And it had large eyes, two legs, and it seemed to float rather than walk. So Lucky, being the eloquent person that he is, goes, holy shit! (laughs) And runs back into the farmhouse, you know, with Billy Ray right on his heels. And so they run in, and kind of side note, while this is happening, the neighbor that lives like, I don't know, a few miles down the road, um, he notices some lights out in the wood, too. And he figures it's just them out searching for pigs or something. You know, they got loose. And so there's like, as this is happening, you have neighbors kind of, um, words? (laughs) Having neighbors corroborating? Corroborating. Hey! Thank you. You're welcome. Corroborating uh, their story. So back to our story. So Mama Glennie didn't know what all the commotion, why everybody was making a fit. And, you know, she had lived on the, uh, that property for decades, and they've never experienced anything remotely strange at all. 
And so Lucky comes in, he's talking about otherworldly goblins. And it starts to upset the young, his younger siblings. And then so Mama Glenny takes them and she puts them to bed. She's like, don't worry about it. Lucky's being stupid. <laughs> and um, so the guys, when she comes out, they were like standing guard at the door. Because, I mean, they fucking saw something. And they're like really upset. And Lucky has like a 12 gauge. And Billy Ray has a 22, which I don't know what he's going to do with the 22 besides <laughs> piss something off, right? <laughs> um, and so, but she thought, you know, Mama Glennie having multiple boys thought that they were just pulling a really elaborate prank and they were just trying to like, you know, put one over on everybody. And uh, so anyway, she, but she kept trying to like get answers from them. Like what exactly is going on? What did you see? And uh, Lucky wouldn't say anything, but Billy Ray, Ray his friend said, Miss Glennie, I hope you don't have to find out. So they're all kind of sitting there wondering what's going on, except Lucky, and of course the children are in bed, and all of a sudden a figure about three feet tall appears in the doorway out of the darkness. And of course, as anybody would do, Mama Glennie screams and Billy Ray shoots <laughs> through the screen door outside from inside the house at the intruder and uh, the intruder, like, runs off into the night. It's like a small child. I don't know, right? And so anyway, so, you know, he shoots out the door, and the thing runs off, and so Billy Ray goes to follow up, you know, to see, because he's curious what it is and see if he hit it or whatnot. So he goes outside, and apparently there's, like, a porch with an overhang, and as he's going outside, everybody's like looking out the door at him. There's this claw that comes from the roof, and it starts to like go down towards his head to touch it. Oh shit! And so his <laughs> wife comes and is like grabs him and comes back in um, because they don't know what the hell that is, and something was trying to like touch his hair. I don't know, Billy Way may have had some great hair. I don't know. <laughs> so as soon as he like you know. She grabs him back in. Lucky, like, runs out past, turns around, and starts firing the 22 on the roof. Um, like, into the house. Into the house. <laughs> no, up at the roof. And he hits it, and whatever he hits kind of rolls off the roof and then disappears. And um, they don't think that they've hit it, uh, because every time that they shoot, they said that they heard something metallic. It hit something metallic. Um, yeah, it was just really weird. So that thing runs off. They're all in the living room when a pair of glowing eyes and a set of claw appears at the window right by the couch. And so it's peering in. And so JC, Lucky's brother, shoots through the glass at the thing outside in the window. <laughs> If I was Mama Glenny, I would be pissed off. <laughs> I'd be like, you're, you're going to replace that damn window. That's right. <laughs> Go get the boards. Oh, my gosh. So they're shooting everywhere. And again, <laughs> when they, they hit it, it does a backflip and runs off. Okay? Now, Mama so Glenny, being a religious woman that she is, and she went to church that day, um, she starts praying. And she just knew that, like, the glowing-eyed creatures on her lawn were sent from the devil. Devil. The devil. 
Um, and of course, the gun, all the gunfire has woken the kids up, and they're freaked out. And so Mama Glennie starts to pray. She's like, good Lord, watch over us and protect us. And she's reassuring them um, herself as much as she's reassuring you know, them. So all the women grab the children, and they go hide in the bedrooms. The men um, grab more Continue guns. to shoot out the house. But mom, yeah, mom, uh, Mama Glenny, she's like, I'm not going in there and hiding. She's like, this is my damn house. I want to see. She's like, I can hardly believe what I'm seeing. I want to get a better look at what this is. Is it bad? I'm sitting here thinking, like, the women could have done a better job with this. Think, like, ultimately. Yeah. <laughs> my gosh. So Lucky and Billy Ray, they go out in the front yard. They look around. J.C., O.P., and Mama Glenny, they wait inside. J.C. has, like, the, you know, like they're all, like, armed and, and have their guns and stuff. Then someone yells, look up at the maple tree. And this time, everyone could clearly see one of the little men sitting on the branch. Oh. So, of course, they all, like, fire and shoot at it. <laughs> but instead of instead falling, of right, instead of falling, it just floats off. And again, when they shoot at it, um, it sounds like bullets are hitting metal. So it's really weird, and it just kind of floats off. So they realize, obviously, that either they're such bad shots <laughs> and gunfire is like useless on this, they just stop doing it, and they retreat into the house. All right. So once they go inside, they're, like, freaking out, obviously, and they're like, you know, what are these things? Is it goblins? Is it demons? Is it little gray men what what's the thing when they first when the first um little person came out when uh lucky and uh billy ray Bill, thank you billy ray went to the well it had its arms up like it was surrendering so they were like what the fuck was that about was so it, they're like let's shoot it yeah well, that's exactly <laughs> what they did right let's get our guns um and so they're like what is that about are they you know do they have innocent intent why do they keep coming back after they're being shot? So they're asking all these questions, and why aren't bullets, like, you know, deterring them? And somebody says, well, you know, when we flip on the lights, they seem to scatter. So, of course, they turned every light on in the house, which I would have already been there. That would have been, like, the oh, first yeah. thing. I mean, it's <laughs> like every light in the house is coming on. Um, but then it gets, like, really eerily silent. Like, there was nothing. And, of course, the children are crying. They're freaked out. Everybody's freaked out. Lucky starts to think, well, what am I going to do next? So um, about that time, they hear something scratching coming from the roof. And so everybody, like, goes outside, and they shoot at the top of Mama <laughs> Glennie's roof. <laughs> Poor woman's going to have so many leaks come around. They just got to move. They're just going to need to move. Right. And, of course, the thing, like, it, you know, floats down and scrambles out of sight. And so, obviously, they're not going away. Nothing good is coming of this. So it's time to get the hell out of there. Yeah. So about midnight that night, they've been de dealing with this for several hours now, and they're probably out of ammo. Um, it's time to get out of there. So they all, 11 of them, pile up in a couple of trucks, and they go down to the police at midnight. And at that time, a sergeant working the front desk at Hopkinsville Police Station didn't know what to say when 11 people came in and told him that they had been fighting little silver man men <laughs> for hours. Okay? 
So the cops were kind of concerned that there was a gun battle going on between local citizens like Hatfield and McCoy's kind of <laughs> like thing. Moonshine like, still. Little moonshine still. Um, and the officer didn't really believe them, but he saw how scared they were. And you can't fake that shit, right? So he gets on the phone, and this is where it gets kind of funny to me, because obviously it was a slow night, and he was just wanting to wake up some people. Because <laughs> he called the sheriff, he called Sheriff Russell Greenwall, who turned, and who in turn radioed the Kentucky State Police, who in turn called the Christian County Sheriff's Office, who then called the <laughs> Fort Campbell Army Base. Oh my God! And then, to top it all off, the local paper got wind of it and sit down, uh, sent down a staff reporter. Awesome. <laughs> so about midnight, and this all happened like within an hour. It was like they were just ready for something to happen, right? <laughs> um, so like half a dozen law enforcement officers and media went down and converged on this isolated farm. And they went, the, the family returned with them. And they searched the property, and all they really found, they found no little men floating around and doing backflips. They found a shit ton of things shot up. Yeah, right? Right? It's like there's dead animals just lying in the ground <laughs> everywhere. All the windows have been shot out. Hopefully a chipmunk or two got taken out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They did find, like, this unusual stain that was kind of iridescent. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And, but that was the only thing, you know, the, n nothing else was found. So they were like, oh, you know, this is kind of fruitless. So they left and the family stayed and they're like, well, maybe it's gone. Maybe it's over. Maybe, you know, whatever happened, it, it's done. So And everybody's exhausted, right? Because, you know, the adrenaline and then you crash. So about 3.30 that morning, everybody was in bed. Everybody was asleep. Oh, no. Mama Glennie woke up looked out her window Shit. and there was one of the little men on the other side of her bedroom window looking back at her and she said i got a gun for you <laughs> <laughs> i wish she did they should have armed her man uh so anyway she called out to lucky who was dozing on the couch and of course him and billy ray spent a couple hours watching standing guard <laughs> with their guns shit. shooting shit <laughs> And uh, basically when daybreak came a couple hours later, um, the creatures left and they never saw them again. So the aftermath of all of this going on, of the 1955 incident, um, in 1955, you know, this is after, you know, World War II, we dropped the bomb, like the atomic era is upon us. Everybody's thinking about space and aliens and you know, all of this is kind of new. We have like Martians being written about and in our cartoons and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So UFO fanatics are a big thing at this time. And they converge, they hear this and they converge on the small farm, um, hoping to take a peek, maybe get some evidence um, and see like the so-called men from outer space. There are many reporters out there, lots of looky-loos coming onto the, the property. <laughs> um, yeah, and they were taking things for souvenirs. And the family just, like, got sick of it. Probably, like, shell casings. Right? Shell. <laughs> so shell casing for every one of you. <laughs> That'll be $5. Um, but the family, like, really got sick of it. You know, people coming onto the property, obviously, and harassing yeah. them. And they were calling them liars. They were like, y'all are bullshitting us. This is such, you know, a crock. And they're like, you want to say that again? <laughs> That's right. Um, so... Actually, within 10 days, the family moved out. Mm. 
And Mama Glenny, who has lived there her whole life and never had anything crazy happen, refused to live there and got an apartment in the middle of town so that she could be around other people because she was so freaked out. Holy cow. So they ended up, like, selling the farmhouse. She moved into an apartment. She felt safer around other people. And J.C., Lucky's brother, um, it really affected him. Like, he couldn't hold down a job. He, like, had, like psychological problems it just really messed with him um really bad and of course uh, I looked at some of the articles in the newspaper at the time and they were just having a field day they were just calling them like Kentucky Hicks and too much moonshine and all of that going on but uh as people in the area knew Mama Glennie was very religious she didn't allow um liquor in her house and you there was absolutely no cussing like you behaved yourself when you were over at her house so that was pretty much people who knew them knew that was bonk because I mean they were just regular upstanding people who you would never question this happening to so of course you know the papers blamed moonshine um Let's see, yeah, the trustworthy family. They also said, well, maybe like the stuff that was glowing that they initially saw in the woods could have been foxfire. What so, is that? So it is a bioluminescent fungus that happens no. when wood decays. But, okay, we'll talk about this. In later. the shape of small people? I don't know. I don't know. It's <laughs> so I, odd. I don't know. So one of the biggest like skeptics debunking of this is they said that they had mistaken horn owls um, who are very protective and will attack humans. And there's even like an incident of a horn owl killing a person. Yes. Um, and they have big eyes, big yellow eyes and talons and claws. However, when I'm thinking about this, it's though. the same as with the Falk monster, right? right? It's like, you know what these animals look like because you live out there. Because you live out there. I mean, they, she's lived out there her whole life. If there's, like, I know when there's an owl living next to me, like, or, or something because you can hear them, you know. If you're looking <laughs> at something, you know you're looking at an owl. How could you not, like, they're, it's not like they're city folks coming in and never seen an owl before. Yeah. Right? So they lived out there. So the whole owl thing is kind of like too easy mm-hmm. for me. Even though I'm a pretty much, I don't know. We'll talk about my skepticism and my non-skepticism about this later on, maybe. Maybe. Um, maybe. maybe. Um, so, you know, the whole thing about owls. So, okay, let's say they're owls. Even if they're owls. Like, what the fuck, owls? <laughs> they're like some really big aggro, like, going to fuck with you owls. It's rabbit. Like, rabbit yeah, Rabbit owls. owls. Yeah. Like, you know, Alfred Hitchcock owls. Who? Oh, my God. Peeping <laughs> Tom owls. I mean, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then why didn't they attack the... Um, the law guys, why did they go away? Yeah. I mean, because the law guys were all up in their business, too. So. Yeah, and they didn't go away because they were being shot at, because they were being shot at the whole The whole time, time. right? So there's some holes in the story. Um, it was actually, <laughs> like, the, what is it? Oh, shit, I forgot what it was called. Oh, we'll talk about it in a second. Okay, <laughs> so let's talk about, like, some pop culture. So this was, like, this huge incident um, that a lot of uh, kids in the 50s and 60s grew up hearing about. And one of those kids was Steven Spielberg, right? Spielberg? Spielberg, sorry, <laughs> right? Um, so in 1980, uh, Steven Spielberg was considering an idea of a UFO-themed movie. 
So he planned on doing a movie called Night Skies about a family besieged by vicious aliens in a farmhouse. And one of the children befriended a gentler alien who was different than the others. It liked plants. Does, does it sound familiar? It does. Okay. So he ended up splitting this idea into two movies. And this I found really interesting. So the first movie, obviously, was E.T. <laughs> and, you know, about a child befriending an alien. The other one... And Reese's Pieces. Yeah, and Reese's Pieces. The other one was fucking Poltergeist. Whoa, really? Poltergeist was about a family besieged by a paranormal entity. Um, and so that was kind of like his scary, like maybe the devil demons coming instead of little green that millions. That is a scary deal. movie. I don't like Poltergeist. He also produced Gremlins. So we know that this was very My much. My favorite Christmas movie. Right. Very much um, on his mind. And this, you know, a lot of similarities between the Steven Gremlins. Steven Spielberg did Gremlins? He produced it. Oh, he produced it. Yeah. I was like, that's just sad. So it was Joe Dante, actually, <laughs> that did Grim Gremlins. And um, so he never really did, you know, his Night Skies, but he produced a lot of things and directed a lot of things that were similar. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So the um, Kelly Hopkinsville encounter actually made the term Little Green Men a household name. Oh. Although they never said little green men, they said little gray men. Yeah. But as newspapers do, they twisted the words and they used little green men. So every time something was written <laughs> up about this incident, it was, you know, the little green men that, you know, the wacky folks in Kentucky saw. Also, interestingly enough, we're talking about pop culture here. Um, if you play Pokemon. So Pokemon <laughs> Sableye was introduced to Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire and is based on the goblins described in the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter directly. I understood like half of what you just said. <laughs> That's all right. So, somebody's mom My who has a child <laughs> plays Pokemon well. Um, also known, the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter was the basis for musical theater. What? It came from Kentucky that was put on by the really? by the Annoyance Theater in Chicago. Did you say the Annoyance Theater? Mm-hmm. Really? Annoyance Theater did. It came from Kentucky as a musical. Randy, get on that. Yes. <laughs> Next season, right? Um, and that is my Kellyville, Hopkinsville demon story. Good one. That one is on my list. Oh, really? It is on my list. <laughs> I have to strike it now. There's no. actually, there's a, um, this past year, I think, mm -hmm. there was either, uh, it was either a movie or a new web series on the Kentucky Goblins that was released. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, if anybody's interested, I have no idea what it's called or who did it, but I'm sure Google will tell you. Oh, excellent. So, yeah. Yes. So, here's what happens. Normally, when we do this podcast in the pod basement, <laughs> this is when we pee. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been a problem <laughs> at live shows in the past. So uh, what we've arranged here is we do have one more campfire storyteller um, to come up and do a story that we are calling Pea Break. <laughs> we'll see you back in a second. <laughs> the Goat House Beer Garden in Montgomery is our favorite place to go when we're in Alabama's capital, whether it's to do a show, to visit a dilapidated movie set, or to flip off the governor's mansion. <laughs> 
So I was talking to James, and he was telling me that the Goat House highlights local artists, singer-songwriters, makers, chefs, brewers, and entrepreneurs of all types, just like the Strange South, Mm -hmm. big supporter. They intentionally support only original content because they believe that communities begin, grow, and sustain when creatives and entrepreneurs thrive. It's a great atmosphere, great company, and a lot of fun. And it's less than 10 minutes from Hank Williams' grave, which is haunted. So next time you go to say hi to old Hank, stop by the Goat House Beer Garden. Magically full glass now. Thank you, Kenley. That was awesome. It was, we're standing in the back and Patrice was saying, we're psychic. (laughs) Like we didn't know that that was, that there was bathroom involved in any of that story. We just called it the pee break story Um, because we're, we're like, this is all about us. It's a pee break. (laughs) We can take one. Sure. Oh, it's so funny because I've, I've been coming to this building so long that, um, when I go to the bathroom, I still expect the soap to be powder. Like, there are a couple people in here who know what that joke means. Um, uh, so anyway, this is this has been home to me for a really, really, really long time. Um, probably like seventeen years, and uh, and so you know we've met a lot of people who have gone in and out of the drama department, and one of my favorite people that's on the newer end, if you look at the full range of seventeen years, is Linda who works in the office up there in the box office. Yay, that's right. So uh, one day, and and Linda listens to the show, and one day Patrice and I were sitting outside. We were just chatting, and Linda came out to sit down and talk to us, and um, she was was telling us what she thought of the latest show. She might have cursed us out a little bit. She didn't curse, but... Um, we scared her. So we scared she, her. She didn't yeah. love that. <laughs> Did not love it. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, she said, you know, it was really funny. You know, when I was a little kid, when I was a little girl, I would go to bed and my daddy used to scare me and say, if you don't behave, raw head and bloody bones will get you. Mm, I know that freaked me out. I was like, we scare you. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard of this before. I'd never heard of raw head and bloody bones. Clearly... Some of y'all have, but, um, so, you know, of course my first response is I got home and I was like, I'm going to look this up. I got to figure out raw head and bloody bones. And so one of the first things I find is this old nursery rhyme and it goes raw head and bloody bones steals naughty children from their homes, takes them to his dirty den and they are never seen again. And I'm like, what the fuck nursery rhymes? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I mean, like. This is what we raise our children on. I mean, that's holy no shit. little baby button. Daddy's gonna hunt. Oh, right? I know, and that's that's really one of the only innocuous nursery rhymes. <laughs> I mean, you managed to choose. I was like, I was trying to think. I was like, clearly this isn't a, in a league of its own, right? And then I was like, well, three blind mice is about like a psychopathic knife wielding farmer's wife. Like, you know, what is it? Ring around the rosy is about like your inherent death by plague, and. Um, they were hardcore. They are hardcore. They I were. mean, like Rockabye Baby, everybody knows, is, you know, about falling from a great height as a child. So, I mean, it's, it, but then we got Disney telling us our parents are going to die from like the day we start watching television. So, oh my gosh. it's amazing any of us is well adjusted at all. Um, <laughs> this one is pretty special, though. This one's like not even veiled. It is straight up like scary guys going to come out and kill your ass if you don't listen to your mom. <laughs> In a dirty place. In a dirty place. I mean, it's like, it's really bad, right? 
So it turns out lots of people know about raw head bloody bones. Um, and there are so many versions of it, so it took me a little while to get to the bottom of some of this stuff. And uh, 11 pages later, you're going to learn some. I swear, I, there's only 11 pages because I like to talk a lot. Um, there's, uh, so enough people know about this. There's an Australian heavy metal band that's called Rawhead. Clive Barker did a B-horror movie called Rawhead Rex. Don't look it up. It's not very good. Um, there's a Hellboy character. There's a, a comic, a Hellboy comic that has him as a special character. An episode of Supernatural. Do y'all watch Supernatural? That, that has Rawhead Bloody Bones. Um, Susie and the Banshee da, did, or Susie and the Banshees, excuse me, uh, did a song that was Rawhead and Bloody Bones. And John Locke, if you're, you know, more of a classical purist, um, mentions him in like his essay on human understanding. So there's like everybody. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That was so academic. I know, it just goes, I'm just, I'm looking down at my drink like, oh, I'm going <laughs> So lots of, um, lots of versions, lots of descriptions. So the best description win goes to the website Ogres and Trolls, Ogres versus Trolls. They describe raw head and bloody bones as he's a lean naked giant with pale skin and great grasping hands. His head is a mangled nightmare all pulped flesh and wide staring eyes, rivulets of blood running down his face and dripping on his chest. He has a den hidden somewhere, piled high with the gnawed bones of children. Where he, I know, right? Where he sits and waits, his long arms clasped about his long legs, which he keeps tucked under his chin. Now, hold on, this is the best part. When he senses prey, he unfolds his limbs like a waking spider. Yeah. Oh, God, I love you guys. <laughs> so, like, he likes to hide in cupboards. He likes to hide under stairs. And it says you'll never... Reverse. What? How does he fit in a fucking cupboard? You're questioning the logistics? Of <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> well, I think this may be, like, this may be dark cupboards, like, in the British way. Okay. Like, okay, Freddie's with me. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> But yeah, it's so British funny because I can't see any huge, of you, but that base, tracks. like I can, I can hone in on that base. Um, but uh, okay, sorry, <laughs> continue, ma'am. I don't know. He folds. Uh, he obviously. You haven't watched enough horror movies, is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a tall man can fit anywhere. Yes, this is true. Um, so anyway, he can. He, it says he can slip through any crack or keyhole. Oh, and there you go. Uh, his grip is as hard and cold as iron. So uh, this originally comes from a lot of places. There's a win here for the website Esoterics, best tongue-in-cheek historical examination, with their article, Tommy Rawhead and Bloody Bones, the monster's so nice they named him twice. Um, he was first referenced in uh, 1548 in wow. a, an anti-Catholic tract called what? The Will of the Devil. What? Um, <laughs> It's, it's the form, it's, so it's like the last, it takes the form of the last will and testament of the devil. And it lists all of the things that the devil's going to give to people who are dickheads. And um, at the very end, it says, it was dictated to Hobgoblin, Rawhead, and Bloody Bone, who is described as a faithful secretary to the devil in the court of hell. So he started a demon. Okay. So we, we start a demon. Right. Question? No. Well, I'm still kind of like stuck on the fact that he's naked. <laughs> <laughs> because you like did a very good description of his face and if he's so fucking tall what are you looking at what are you looking at <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I don't know who these people are that are examining oh his facial God. features. But I'm like, not sure if I can nothing from that, <laughs> if nothing else is described. Maybe there's a loincloth. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Continue. Okay. I don't have your answer. <laughs> I, know, I have questions. <laughs> so um, obviously, we're gonna have to talk about this more. Well, maybe, maybe this is a useful thing to scare kids with. Then. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay, we're going back on script now. Okay, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so, folks started scaring their kids shitless in the 1500s with this character. Um, he picks up another layer of scary like 80 years after this. Um, people start conflating this character with uh, an actual person. There was a Thomas Lunsford was a cavalier in the English army and um, army. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know history. Um, but for both political and personal reasons, everybody hated this guy. So um, it was England. There was a civil war on. He was a royalist and people loved fake news. Sound familiar? And um, so uh, all kinds of stories start circulating about this guy. He's like a total douchebag. And the worst among them are that he was a pirate whose name was Bloody Bones and that he was a cannibal who ate children. Hmm. So both of those things kind of fit into our original story right? and make it so much just grosser and worse. Um, so there were propagandic political reasons why people kept on telling a story, and it grew and grew and grew. So this nursery tale grows and grows, and people keep repeating it. Um, and that, that's why the, the title of that article that I read to you was Tommy Rawhead, because uh. Thomas Lunsford, Tommy Rawhead, was what you it know, became. I noticed that. I was looking. I forgot. Sorry, segue. Yep, they called it Tommy. Yep. Yeah, they... He's Tommy. Yeah, the, a lot of, like, in the olden, ye olden days, like, <laughs> you know, the superstition, the folklore of, like, the monster, they, like, just associated with whatever political figure that they hated. Yeah, that makes... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, some of the things, because I was, like... Doing, I could totally do that now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. But they were very, like like, poetic about it. Like, when they would write, like, you know, opinion pieces. Mm -hmm. like there was, it was beautifully written. I was like, this could be like a fucking story. And it is. And it is. <laughs> and continue. Story right now. <laughs> I will shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy, this guy, um, Lunsford, this guy that they added to the character, he like eventually left England and he moved to Virginia in 1649. He died in the 1650s at this rich neck plantation in Williamsburg. And I couldn't figure out whether he and his family held any people enslaved at this plantation. What but was the, the date again? I'm sorry. 1649 was when he moved there. Okay, and he died yeah. sometime in the 1650s. Okay. And um, I know that the family who moved into the plantation after him did hold enslaved people there. And I can't help but wonder if these people were the responsible like the origination point for the Appalachian versions of this story oh, that yeah. came after because a lot of them do come from African-American folktales so there's like the you know moneyed English come to the United States and live on plantations and the African-Americans who were brought into slavery in the U.S. take some of these stories and just go with them right for their own you know so so far we're at cautionary tales right we're right. rawhead bloody bonds cautionary tales you know don't get out of bed um one of these african-american stories was written down by zora neale hurston in uh 1935 there's a book that she put together called uh, mules and men that was african-american yes. folk tales and it was later published again in this book that was collected by mary lyons um and that contains the story of high walker and in that story this guy named High Walker goes 
into what they call the drift. He goes like up these hills in the in the snow. And every time he walks through the boneyard that's there, which I'm like, what the hell are all these bones like laying around? But every time he walks through the boneyard, he can call out, rise up bloody bones and shake yourselves. And all the bones in the boneyard come together and become full skeletons and shake and shake and shake and shake and then they lay back down. And he gets a big old kick out of himself for being able to do this. I would too. Uh, right? I know. Like, you do it all the time. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> so, but he's, he's a bit full of himself. So one day High Walker is walking through this bone field, and he sees a skull there. And it happens to be a devil man's skull. I don't know. This is a dude who has sold himself to the devil, wasted away in sin. Okay. Whatever. Gotcha. And um, so he kicks it down the road ahead of him and he mm. kicks it. He got no respect for nothing. Right. And he kicks it and he kicks it and he says, Rise up and shake yourself. High Walker's here. And it doesn't say anything. Mm. And he kicks it and he kicks it. And finally it rolls to a stop and it turns around to him and says, My mouth brought me low, High Walker. And if you don't mind yours, it'll do the same to you. And um, so High Walker is freaked the fuck out. Mm -hmm. I don't know why this is scary. Like, when you're used to bones jumping up and, like, dancing at mm -hmm. you, I don't understand why this is a concern. Mm -hmm. But, like, he runs back and he starts telling people what happened. Mm -hmm. And so it says in the story, he runs back to his white folks, it says, and he told the white man that there was a dry skull head talking sass to him on the drift. Kind of like Alexa. Right? Like Alexa. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. And this, and, and where I believe you about Alexa, I she's, know. A, she's, man, she's scary. She got some problems. She does. But um, this, so this guy doesn't believe him. And High Walker says, well, if you don't believe it, come and go with me and I'll prove it. He says, if it doesn't happen, you can cut my head off right then and there. What? Don't, I don't no, know. Don't Why say, the don't, fuck do people say, say things like this? Say it's that. a story. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like really invested I know, in the story. I am too. Um, this isn't even the big story, so okay. just hold on to some I'm, of that. I'm holding. The, um, <laughs> so the white man and High Walker, they go back to the drift, and they go back through the barn, boneyard, and they find this skull, and he starts kicking it again. Come kicking on, it. Man. I know. I don't know why he wants to kick it. Okay. It's just rude. Rude. But, um, so he kicks it, he, he kicks it, and he calls to it, and it says nothing. All this time it says nothing, which mm -hmm. is what we expect, right? right. What's going to happen in this story? And legit, this white man cuts his head off. And I was like, so we stay with the cautionary tale vein in the, you know, if we're going to go towards, like, the African-American enslaved people, the plantation, the lesson is, like, don't tell these white people your business. Like, this mm -hmm. is this is the story. That's what that's for. Right. So, like, a couple of years. So that was 1935 that that story got collected. Okay. And she knew it from long back. It got collected in right. Florida. And she did Florida and New Orleans for that book. So she knew it long back. Um, so it's from before then. And then in the 1940s, there's another book called Little Eight John that's about a little boy. It's another African-American tale. It was collected by the Tennessee Writers Project. So we've gone from like England to Virginia to Florida to New Orleans to uh, Tennessee okay. with this same character. Um, there was a book called God Bless the Devil, The Liar's Bench Tales. And there was a story called Little Eight John where there was this little boy and they said he was a fine looking boy, but he was a bad boy. And it's really they funny. They all are, right? I tell my fine kids. Fine-looking boys, bad <laughs> boys. Fine-looking boys are bad. <laughs> I tell my kids there are no bad boys, but I guess that wasn't true in the 40s. <laughs> I mean, that's when our president was born. Um, <laughs> his mama said... <laughs> so his mama told him, don't kick at the frogs, or you'll bring bad luck on us if you kick at the frogs. Right. And so as soon as she gets out of sight, little eight John in the story kicks at a fat bunch of toad frogs. And um, the next morning, it says, the spotted cow didn't give milk and the baby had colic. And I was like, okay. Uh -huh. 
There's like, All right. And so like it continues with this series of weird ass misbehaviors that this kid has that like, so he sits in his chair backward and the cornbread burns. Like he counts his teeth. I was like, you don't, you can't count your teeth. Like a, he counts his teeth and the baby gets the croup. Hmm. Um, eventually because of little eight John's randomly bad behaviors that really aren't that bad. Right. Me, the like family goes broke. And they blame this poor little boy. But he's laughing about it. It's like his mom uh, tells him not to do it, and so he does it, and then he laughs about it. Right. So eventually the family's broken. Finally, his mother says one Sunday, don't have the Sunday moans for fear of old raw head bloody bones. And so he gets the Sunday moans. And I was like, okay, well, we all know what that is. Like, ain't nobody want to go to church on Sunday morning. So he's like, he gets the Sunday moans and the Sunday groans, and old raw head bloody bones, it says, comes after that bad boy and changes him into a little old grease spot on the kitchen table, and his loving mommy washes it off the next morning. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot that happened in, in that couple of sentences. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This dude is not messing around. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, so, like I said, so this story has gone all across the South at this point. And I'm not even going to tell you all of them. I'm like, there are more. And, um, and you know, they, they vary so much. It's weird. But they all have this character. And um, there's actually, so there's a recording of Dolly Parton doing a poem that she wrote that is called Bloody Bones, Scratch Eye, and the Booger Man. What? And... I'll, I'll link it to the show notes uh -huh. because everyone who is in here and ever listens to this needs to listen to this. It's, it's on YouTube. You can pull it up. It's amazing. It's Dolly Parton for fuck's sake. It's amazing. So, um, it's really awesome. So you got to listen to Dolly Parton's version of some of this, but, um, so, like I said, some of the versions don't really have any connection to the original, like nursery tale, but the Arkansas version is like 100% its own creature. And that's the one I want to tell. My favorite telling is from a website called, uh, oddly enough, it's from a website called Scary for Kids hmm. that um, does some pretty good versions of these stories. And so that's where I'm pulling this from. Um, so it says that um, in Arkansas, nestled in a hollow in the woods, there's, um, there's an old scrawny woman, it says, with a hook nose and cross-eyed. What do you think she is? Witch. She's a witch! <laughs> Burn her! Um, she, uh, so she's the best conjuring woman in the area. She sells her homemade remedies to like the marketplace she in town. She's like amazing. Oh, I mean, she's a businesswoman. Yes. She has got her shit together. She's got her shit together. She's got her little concoction. Oh, absolutely. She's going to the market. She's making money. And they call her Old Betty. And she's probably like, she's like branded. She's like, just call me damn Betty. Like, but she's branded. It's old Betty written on all of her trademark. Sorry. So it says she only has, she's only got one friend and it's a tough old razorback hog. I know, right? I told you this is a random ass story. And it runs crazy over the place and it roots through all of her trash and it like, and all of her trash includes the potions that she's thrown out. So people think that the hog is magical, and it follows her everywhere she goes. It follows her around her house. It follows her to town, to the market. Um, and people have said that like at night they have seen it standing on two legs and talking to her. Hmm. So, um, so this is this, uh, and she calls the hog Rawhead. Oh. And. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody says it's ugly, but, you know, I'm sure it was beautiful to her. Um, 
anyway, so uh, he would walk to town with her, like I said, and everybody got used to seeing them together. And um, so one day she showed up in town and he wasn't with her. And she's selling her home remedies and the guy at the market is like, where's your, where's, where's Rawhead? And she's like, I don't know, I haven't seen him. And so he said, okay, listen, we'll, we'll keep an eye out for him because everybody likes old Betty. I mean, she's like yeah. doing nice things for people, right. um, Betty. And um, so she said, that's really, that's really nice of you. Just keep an eye out for him and tell him to come home straight away. So um, she's worried all the way home. And she gets more and more worried because he never leaves her side. So when she gets home, she puts together a potion and she pours it into a plate on her table. And um, she asks the plate, where's that old hog got to? And this potion clouds over, and then these pictures form in it. And first thing she sees is this hunter that lives on the next ridge. And he's rounding up hogs in the forest that don't belong to him. And he's taking them to the hog scald hollow. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. And he is um, bringing other people's hogs to slaughter. And she sees Rawhead in this group of hogs that he's bringing in. And the final picture was a pile of bloody bones that had once been her hog Aww. and his scraped clean head lying with the other hogs' heads. Is it bad that I kind of want bacon now? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. You're not the only one, no. I guarantee you. So, um... So, to, you know, Betty sees this, and right. she's infuriated because they've murdered her best well, yeah, friend. yeah, absolutely. Um, and because, you know, I mean, what do you do if somebody, like, shoots your dog, you know? Right. This is, this is a big deal. And so, um, and, and she's like, nobody doesn't know that he's her hog. Right. And I'm like, they all look the same, but... Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. Um, but, you know, she, usually she just does, like, home remedies, and she's like a white witch, generally, but she knows the dark shit. And so she pulls out this old secret book and she turns to the very last page and she lights candles and she puts them around that plate that she just used. And um, she begins to chant raw head and bloody bones, raw head and bloody bones. Mm. And hold on, there's a page. Mm. Um, all of a sudden, like this big billowing cloud comes through mm -hmm. and all of the light disappears and this... Um, this lightning bolt shoots out of the plate and shoots all the way over to Hogscald Hollow. And it hits Rawhead's severed head. And as soon as it does, it was piled on the hunter's wagon at this point with all the other heads, and he's starting to drive away, and his head pops off and rolls, 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 rolls down to where his bones are mm -hmm. and touches his bones. And um, she says, Rawhead, or she says, Bloody Bones, get up and dance. And all of a sudden, the bloody bones that were Rawhead's bones reassemble into the skeleton of a razorback hog, but one that stands on its legs like a man. Mm -hmm. And the head jumps up on top and um, starts looking around for weapons. Okay. Right? So it finds all these other carcasses in this area. It finds a, a panther that's died and takes its teeth. And it finds a bear that's died and takes its claws. And it finds a rotting raccoon and takes its tail. I don't know why the tail. Just for effect. I, yeah, probably for effect. It's um, kind of flashy. Yeah, it's a little flashy. It's mm -hmm. like, hey. Hey. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so Rawhead starts looking for this hunter. Because, you know, mm -hmm. this is now a revenge story. Mm -hmm. And um, he sees where he's going. And he 
um, runs up the track past, like around the woods, past where the horse and carriage are, and runs up into the hunter's loft and hides in the loft up where he stores his horse. And it's dusk when the hunter finally gets in, and he rides his horse and carriage, and he unhitches the horse and puts him in his stall, and the horse is going fucking nuts. And um, he senses that something's in the loft. And so um, the hunter starts looking around, and he sees a pair of eyes looking down at him from the loft. Hmm. And he thinks, like, okay, so some stupid little town kid has come up here and jumped up in my loft to scare me. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said, what do you got those big eyes for? And uh, Rawhead says, to see your grave. Damn. And the hunter's like, all right, whatever. And he comes out of the stall. He leaves the horse there. That's irresponsible. Right. I don't know. Um, and he, as he walks back out, he realizes that this creature, whatever it is, this child that he thinks is up there, has crept forward a little bit further. And now you could see his eyes and these claws sticking out over the edge of the loft. And he looks up and he goes, what you got those big claws for? And Rawhead says, to dig your grave. In a voice that is a deep rumble. <laughs> I can't do that. To dig your, Freddie? Very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he's starting to get a little spooked now. And so he hurries to the door. He lets himself out. He shuts the door. Meanwhile, Rawhead slips out through the upper window of the loft and scales the outside hmm. of the barn hmm. and sneaks up around beside him. And uh, he ends up racing through the trees and up the path to this boulder. And he hides behind the boulder so that all you can see are these extra pieces of him. So you can see his claws and you can see his tail and you can see his eyes, but you can't really see the rest of them. And um, when the hunter comes up level with the rock, he sees all of these, you know. Different sees, animals, yeah, right? Yeah, something sticking out from behind this rock. and. Um, he starts like cursing at this kid and he says, what you got that crazy tail on for? Because right now he's fucking scared. And Rawhead says to sweep your grave. And it gets loud. It echoes and it gets louder and louder and louder. And the hunter runs off for his cabin. He races past the well house. He races past the wood pile. He jumps over the fence and into his yard. But Rawhead is faster. And when the hunter reaches his porch, Rawhead leaps from the shadows and stands over him just completely in the moonlight. He can see everything. Did and he try hunter- to touch his hair? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's this creepy-ass creature that nobody knows where this could possibly have come from. And now this is the part of the story that I don't believe. It's <laughs> all on board until this bullshit. Until this point. And then the hunter looks up at him and says, and what have you got those big teeth for? Because really at this point, like you're lying on your back on your front porch with this thing looming over you and you say that, you say like, Aah! that's all you say. <laughs> and um, so he says, what do you got those big teeth for? And he says to eat you up like you wanted to eat me. And Rawhead roars and descends on the guy, and he hears one last scream, and then there was silence and the sound of crunching, it says. Mm. And nothing more was ever heard of the hunter. Can you imagine? (laughs) Um, And his horse disappeared that night, it says. But um, sometimes people would see Rawhead roaming through the forest um, in the company of his friend, Betty, old Betty, Betty. And once a month on the full moon, Rawhead, it says, would ride the hunter's horse through town. 
<laughs> wearing the old man's blue overalls over his bloody bones with a hole cut out for his raccoon tail. That's legit. It really is. Yeah. You can't hide that. You can't hide that. It's too yeah. saucy. Yes. Um, and he carries his raw razorback hogshead high, held high against the moonlight. And that's the end of Arkansas. I was like, way to go, Arkansas. <laughs> like, we brought they committed together, to that story. We got the dancing bones. We got the school mascot. Arkansas, right? The Razorbacks? Is mm -hmm. that, yeah? We got we've, bacon. We've got bacon. We've got the headless horseman and little red riding hood and the tally po, a little bit of tally po. A little po bit of tally po. In yeah. there. So I was like, wow, that's really impressive the way that they brought all that shit together. Mm -hmm. It's like not so much a cautionary tale unless, I don't know, what's the. Don't steal the witch's pig. That would be a good, yeah, caution. So yeah. don't we, fuck with witches. Don't fuck with witches. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> so that's the story of, I don't know, what story was I telling? <laughs> <laughs> Raw head and bloody bones. Raw head and bloody bones. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check out our website, thestrangesouth.com. All our social media links are there. And for extra fun and goodies, join our Facebook fan group, Fans of the Strange South Podcast. And if you love us so much that you want to support what we do and get bonus episodes and behind-the-scenes photos and videos, please consider joining our Patreon, Patreon, Patreon at www.patreon.com slash thestrangesouth. Well, I'm still kind of like stuck on the fact that he's naked. <laughs> because you like did a very good description of his face. And if he's so fucking tall. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? <laughs> <laughs>